I would like for you to open your Bibles in the book of, in the Gospel of John. John chapter 15. There we probably have what may be the most important chapter in the Bible, John 15, on the Christian life. Uh, I believe myself that this is a chapter that we need to read and reread and seek to live what it says. I would like for you to look at verse 1, John 15, verse 1, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Let's, let's have a word of prayer, please. Our precious Heavenly Father, dear God, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him that we can have, we have hope and it's through him that we enjoy being your son. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and we pray that thou may deal with our hearts and continue to do the work in us. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you, we pray for his soul, his, her soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, notice with me in verse 1 that word, true. Jesus said, I am the true vine. You know, in the Gospel of John, on two other occasions, uh, in chapter 1, verse 9, he was called the true light. And in chapter 6, verse 32, he was called the true bread. But now he says, I am the true vine. And you know, there is a reason for that. You may recall that in the Old Testament, God called Israel his vine or his vineyard. Uh, we're told that he planted Israel as his vineyard and his expected fruit. In Isaiah chapter 5, we, even, we are even told that the Lord planted Israel as his vineyard and he put a fence around it, cleared the stones, made a wine press uh, on it and built a tower that is he gave it every possible advantage there was, and he expected grapes, but we're told that he gave wild grapes. And then he went on to say in that chapter that, without a doubt, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So God planted Israel as his vineyard, and they disappointed him. They did not measure up to what he expected, so when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he replaced Israel as the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. In other words, God planted Israel, but they did not do well. Now God has planted another vineyard, not the church. The church is not the vineyard, but Jesus, we're told, he is the true vine. And we need to know this, and those disciples needed to know it, too. Uh, this took place on the night uh, that Jesus was betrayed, and on the next day, he was going to be crucified. And one of the last things that he told his followers was that he was, he is the true vine, and that they were the branches. They were the branches. But now look with me at verse 2, where now the Lord Jesus begins to speak about the branches. Verse 2, John 15, verse 2, he says, Every branch in me... That beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purchaseth, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
I want you to see now with me the difference between what the Lord, we see that the Lord is doing here and what he did in the times of the Old Testament. In the times of the Old Testament, the whole house of Israel was the vineyard. And when the house of Israel did not do good, God judged the entire house of Israel. Now, in those situations, uh, we know that there were a few people who were doing good. You know, uh, for example, we read that when God sent judgment to the nation of Israel, Daniel was doing good. Uh, Shadrach, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing good. And Ezekiel was doing good, and so was Jeremiah. But you know what? Uh, you know, they were living for the Lord, but they were, they were taking captives like everybody else. Now, this is what we need to see. In the Old Testament, God dealt with the whole nation of Israel, and when the, whole, the majority of the nation went wrong, the whole nation was judged. Uh, but today, God is dealing with individuals, individuals. And so it is not a matter of whether the whole church gets right with God or not. It's a matter of whether I get right with God or not. It's not about whether all the United States or Spain gets right with God or not. It's about whether you, by yourself, get right with God or not. You see, he's putting the emphasis on the branch, on the branch. Notice, please, how he makes it very personal in verse 2. He says, Every branch. That means just one. It's singular. So you and I need to be concerned about ourselves. Now, it's one thing to be concerned about the nation. And it's one thing to be concerned about the whole church. And I'm not against that. But if you and I are not careful, we can become more or less careless about how we are doing individually. And we can worry about how everybody else is doing in, in general, but that doesn't do uh, a whole lot of good, really. Because, you know, there has never been a whole group of people that got right with the Lord. It's always been the individual, the individual that get right with the Lord, one at a time. So this is a personal matter, and I want you to see the individual emphasis uh, here. And then I want you to, know, to see the importance of bearing fruit. You know, the Lord has saved you and me if you're a Christian. And he has united us to the Lord Jesus Christ with one sole purpose, which is to bear fruit. And we see the importance of fruit here in verse 2. Uh, John 15, verse 2. In the first place, God shows us how important it is to bear fruit when he says... That if you do not bear fruit, I'm going to take you away. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now the problem with many Christians is this. We think we have the right to live as we want and do what we want, get what we want and be what we want to be. And we completely forget the fact that when Jesus saved us and we were joined to Jesus Christ, just as a vine has branches and the branches are joined to the vine. And, you know, the Bible even teaches us how we are put in Christ when we are saved. We forget that the reason God did all that was with one purpose, and it was so we might bear fruit. 
Now, when Christians forget that and start doing their own thing and forget God's purpose for them, then uh, there are problems. For example, you don't need to turn there. I'm sure you know the story in Acts chapter 5 about Ananias and Sapphira. As far as we can see, those two people were saved, a man and his wife. They were saved people. They were part of the church. And there's no indication, the Bible doesn't even hint that they were lost. Apparently, there were people who claimed to be Christians, and yet they were not involved in bearing fruit. The Bible makes it clear in Acts 5 that they were interested in one thing, brother. They were interested in money. And when everybody else sold what they had and gave their money to the Lord, they sold what they had and kept it and gave some of it. And you know, in doing that, they lied to the Lord. Now, what were they doing? They were not bearing fruit. They were trying to get money for themselves. And you, you know what the Lord did? In Acts chapter 5, brother, the Lord took them away. That is a clear illustration of what the Lord is saying here when he says, you know, if every branch in me that beareth not fruit, God the Father, he taketh away. The warning is that if we do not bear fruit, he will remove some of us. Why? Because he wants us to see the importance of bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. That's why we are here. Have you ever wondered as a Christian why uh, didn't the Lord take you with him when he saved you? <laughs> well, sometimes I've wondered about that. But uh, now I know, of course, uh, that he wants us to bear, bring forth fruit. We are not here to impress people. We're not here to win friends and influence people. We're not here to get things. We're not here to leave a mark on this world. We're here to bear fruit. To bear fruit. And notice uh, now how, how else he shows the importance of this. Look again, please, uh, verse 2. He not only shows the importance by telling us that he removed those that do not bear fruit, but he says in the last part of verse 2, And every branch that beareth fruit, he purchased it, that it may bring forth more, more fruit. You know, the Lord is interested in more, in more. None of us have done enough. Whatever we've done, he wants more. <laughs> and when he, we start trying to do something for the Lord and have some success, the Lord cleanses us, we read, so that we can do more. We can do more. Now remember this, a branch on a vine has no other purpose than to bear fruit. A branch on a vine is not like a branch on a tree. You know, a branch of a tree can serve various purposes. It can provide shade. And sometimes they even provide, of course, firewood. But, you know, you, you just can't get firewood from vines. There just isn't enough there to burn. A vine is good for nothing except to bear fruit. It has only one purpose, and that's what we find here. We have to bear fruit. And the Lord wants fruit, and then he wants more fruit. And when we begin to do a little, we read that he will cleanse us. Now, how is the Lord going to cleanse us? Well, he does it by his word. He does it by his word. Uh, look with me, please, at verse uh, 3, John 15, verse 3. Now, you are clean. You are, uh, I'm sorry. Now ye are clean through the word 
which I have spoken unto you. You know, that's how they were clean in the first place. When they were saved, it was by the word of God. In Ephesians 5, we read about how the Lord saved us and purified us in the washing of water by the word. When you were saved, the Lord cleansed you. He cleansed me. He washed us from our sins. Uh, the Bible says, and in Titus 3.5, we read that it is by the washing of regeneration. So when you're saved, you're washed. You get a good bath. <laughs> you're clean. But after we are saved, we get dirty again. Uh, we could go back to chapter 13, and there we would find the Lord Jesus Christ washing the disciples' feet. And he told them what their problem was. I'm just going to read one verse. And this is what the Lord Jesus uh, told Peter in verse 10. Jesus said to him, He that is washed, and that means he who has received a full bath, needs, um, needed, needed not save to wash his feet. You know, if you had to go down to, to the creek and take a bath there, and you were really clean, but when you came home barefoot, but, you know, then you came home barefoot. When you got home, before going to bed, you would have to take, uh, wash yourself, your feet, right? <laughs> well, that's what he's talking about here. When we are saved, we receive a complete bath. The Lord washes you, leaving, leaving you white as snow, the Bible says. But when we begin to move in the world and come into contact with sin again, we become contaminated. And then we need to be cleansed. And I'm sure you're familiar with this promise in 1 John. You don't need to turn there. But this, is, this was one of the first verses that we memorize. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here in John 15, 2, he tells us that he himself cleanses us by his word, by his word. You know, once we begin to bear some fruit, the Lord cleanses us through his word. Uh, let me read one more verse in Psalm 119:9. Psalm 119.9, we read these words. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Amen. What I'm trying to get you to see is that if you have ever borne any fruit in your Christian service, the Lord wants you to bear more. And how can you bear more? How can you be more fruitful than you have been? That is what we're trying to find out. But the first thing we need to see is that you have to get in the Word. You have to get in the Word. Because it is through the Word of God that He will cleanse us so that we can bear more fruit. We have to get in the Word. Uh, if you're there in John 15, you know, there's quite a few verses here in this chapter that emphasize the importance of the word, the absolute importance of the word. But let's read uh, one more in verse 7, John 15, 7, and notice the, the emphasis again in the word of God. You know, we read 
uh, verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Let's read verse 7. He said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. There it is, the emphasis on his word again. But there is, you know, you could look up uh, verse 10, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 22, and verse 25. And all of those verses emphasize the importance of the word. Uh, You know, if you and I are going to bear more fruit than in the past, we have to get in the word of God. We have to let the word of God cleanse us. Now, this is the question you need to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself too. What has the Word of God cleansed out of your life lately? You see, the problem with most of us is this. We think that we have already arrived to where we need to be in this matter of separation from the world. We think that because we don't do certain things which we resolved at some point in the past, we think that the matter of separation is already resolved, that we don't need to think about that anymore. But we forget the fact that God wants more. God wants more. Listen, God wants more no matter what you and I have done. He wants more. And how are we going to bear more? Well, we need to let the word of God cleanse us. The fact is that there is something in all of our lives that the Word of God has to cleanse so that we can bear more fruit. Now, if the Word of God hasn't cleaned up anything in your life lately, brother, that means that we are not growing. We are not growing. We are stagnant. We are standing still in our Christian life. If the Bible is not correcting you, changing you, and cleaning you, how long has it been since the Bible did that in your life? Well, if you can answer that question, you will know how long it's been since you have grown up a little. Because that's what it's all about, really. Oh, how we need to go back uh, to this chapter and think about these verses and say, Lord, I certainly need to do more. That's what you want. In order for me to do more, I have to be cleaner than I've ever been. Let me ask you to do this. When you read your Bible, don't just read words. Don't just try to fulfill your daily Bible reading. But as you read it, say, Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse me. I want to be a little cleaner than what I've been. And then we will be able to bear more fruit. That is the first thing. To bear more fruit, we have to let the word of God Clean something out of our lives so that we can do more. But notice now with me in verse 4 how this word abide begin to be emphasized. Verse 4, this word abide is a very important word in this chapter. And it carries with it the idea of remaining, continuing, going on. And this word abide is found 12 times in this chapter alone. Now, what is the Lord trying to tell you and me in verse 4 when he says, Abide in me, and I am you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine? No more can ye except ye abide in me. 
The first thing that the Lord wants to tell you and me is that we need to abide. We need to, and that's another way of saying, keep going. <laughs> and that's another way of saying, be faithful. Be faithful. You see, this idea of abiding means go on with it. Go on. Be the same. Be the same. Our problem is that our Christian lives are like this, right? Up and down, in and out, as a roller coaster, <laughs> right? We get excited, you know, and then we get uh, discouraged. Uh, we get up and then we get down. Something then lifts us up and then we fall again. We get excited and commit ourselves to the Lord in something and sometimes we don't fulfill it. Our Christian lives are like we are not abiding. We are not abiding. That's why we don't bear fruit or that is the reason we don't bear as much as we should or that's why we don't bear it now. We used to bear it, but not now because we are not abiding. The emphasis is on faithfulness. But notice with me one more emphasis in verse 4. Not only did he say abide, but notice he said abide in me and I in you. In order for me to emphasize what needs to be emphasized here, let me tell you what the Lord did not say. He did not say abide in the church. He did not say abide in the ministry. And he did not say abide with other Christians. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, of course. But listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that it's possible for a Christian to abide in the church. That is, to be in all the services of the church and never bear any fruit. I've been there. And it is possible for a Christian to associate all the time with other Christians and never bear any fruit in their lives. But... It is not possible to abide in Christ and not bear fruit. It's not possible. You see, I have heard of some people, God help us, who have, who have fallen into deep sin. And, where, and they were abiding in the church and associating with God's people. And even involved in doing the work of the gospel at the very moment they fell into the sin of adultery. Now, how did they do that? Listen, abiding in the church won't keep you from adultery. And abiding with God's people won't keep you from that either. But I'll tell you what it will. Abiding in Christ will do it. Abiding in Christ will do it. You see the difference? Sometimes we Christians substitute Jesus for the church. And sometimes we substitute Jesus for other Christians. But he will not take that. We're told that he's jealous. He is jealous with a godly jealousy. And we need to have this basic communion and fellowship with him. He said, abide in me and I in you. That is what he's emphasizing. He's trying to make you and me see, brother, the secret of all this is that personal and continuous communion with him and he with us. Now, if we are consistent, we will bear fruit. But if we are inconsistent, we will not bear fruit. Do you see how he says that in verse 4? He says, abide in me and I am you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. 
Now, the next thing we want to emphasize regarding this matter of bearing fruit is the matter of consistency. Consistency. We have spoken about the word in verse 3, but now in verse 4, we talk about consistency. Abiding. Abiding. He says, if you do not abide, you cannot bear fruit. You will not be able to do it no matter how hard you try, no matter how much effort you put forth. If you do not practice consistency, you cannot bear fruit. You know, the Lord is speaking to you and me right here. He's saying, listen, there's only one thing you need to do in this matter of bearing fruit, and that is just get in and keep going. Abide. Day after day, abide. Be faithful. Continue. Continue. If you don't, you won't bear any fruit. He said, you can't do anything unless you abide. You just can't do it. Our problem is that we don't believe it. You know, we think that sometimes, you know, as Christians, we can waste our time, backslide and be selfish and do nothing. And then we think that we, one day we can take the Bible, tuck it under our arm and go to work for the Lord and do great things, right? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It won't work. We think that we can live selfish lives and then all of a sudden, oh, someone in my family is lost. He's going to hell. I'll get on my knees and pray for him, and he'll be saved. It doesn't work that way. Brother, you just, you can't do anything like that. That's what Jesus said. Let's read it again, please, in verse 4. He said, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Like I said at the beginning of my message, uh, this is a chapter. Uh, there's so much more in this chapter, and I believe it's probably the most important chapter on the Christian life. Uh, this is a chapter that I, I need to go back and read and reread it and meditate on it and ask God to help me to live this, these truths here. Now, this is said to his disciples. If you have not received Christ yet, the one who died on the cross for your sins, you are not his disciple yet. The Bible makes it clear that it is he that has the Son of God, the one that has life. Not the one that has some kind of works or good intentions or is sincere. No, is the one that has the Son of God. The one that has believed on his name has received him. He then is become, becomes a son of God, his disciple. So if you have never opened your heart and received Christ as your Savior, you're not his disciple yet. But you know how we desire and pray that if you're not a Christian, you will become one today. Now the devil will tell you tomorrow, <laughs> but the Bible says today. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, we don't know. <laughs> you don't know what will happen tomorrow. The day of salvation is today. It's now. Like I said, if you have never come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life, and you are not 
his disciples yet. But I pray that you become one today. May God bless his word. Let's get, please, let's stand and have a word of prayer, please. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation, but let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, dear God, it is your word, and we know that you desire, of course, more than us to save souls. And Lord, how we pray that God, the Holy Spirit, would intervene like he did in our lives and brought that conviction in somebody's heart that is not a Christian. And oh God, help us as your children. Help us to be willing, Lord. Help us to seek thy grace and to live these truths so that we can bear fruit for your glory and then bring, bring forth more fruit. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.